can hear you for a second, but now you're back. Okay. Okay, I think we're good. <laughs> okay, so how are you? Pretty good. Okay, so are we officially getting started now? Yes. I, I mean, so. it's official anytime, you know, but we'll yeah. cut off whatever is not appropriate, you know? I like the idea of like this being the intro right now. But uh, no, so this is the first episode of the Technically Managing Podcast. Um, I'm Zach Telke. And I'm Ramon Wargam Gutierrez. Two last names. I'm something. Mine's just very German. But yeah, like we should probably give like some background to start, like what this podcast is going to be and like who we are and like what we do and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like basically the, this pod, this is the first episode of the podcast we're doing. And the whole idea we had is we're both product managers at Oracle on the database side of things. And Ramu and I, we both started in the same like class of program at Oracle together. And like, we can like, I think we should go through like the full kind of origin story stuff mm-hmm. today. Yeah, Which definitely. is like, like yeah. maybe even college a little bit, you know. We should probably start with college and like how we got to Oracle. Yeah. yeah but like just kind of like as like a ten thousand foot view of like who we are, what we do. We're both product managers, basically. Like we keep in touch since we we're both on the same old team together, and like we just kind of like have conversations every month, just kind of talking about careers, PM, um, PM stands for product management. And just like different things of the tech industry, we thought it could be cool to share like some of the things that we're discussing and stuff, like in podcast form. Just because like we're always saying like, oh yeah, like coming up, I'm like a college student. You're always just going on YouTube and like looking at people who are like a couple years ahead and like have some experience with like what you want to do and stuff. So in case like there's anything that we discussed that might be like interesting or relevant for people who are interested in tech. Or just like general career advice or what product management is like. Because um, I don't think that's before I went into product management, really, I didn't have a good sense for like what it is, even in like the tech ecosystem. So that could be like good to go into too. But yeah, like the whole idea of this podcast is basically kind of like just shoot the shit. Probably we'll do an episode every other week, talk about kind of like, relevant stuff to like career or job product management tech life and just kind of like see where it goes keep things a bit on the fun side so like this isn't going to be like a super technical podcast or anything like that but also if we have like news from our different products and stuff that we're working on that's public and that we can share too like that would be cool to kind of talk about and just like industry tools and products and things that we're working with and stuff like that Right. Did I miss anything um, there? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think you, you basically said everything. Um, this is going to be more like informal for sure. This is going to be more like, you know, you and me just talking, you know, and hopefully people are interested in that and getting, you know, a non, like, not like 100% professional point of view of like, you know, what product management is. That it's really hard to like, you know, describe product management. But I do think that, like, for example, when I was preparing for my interview, I did Google product management and I watched um like presentations on it, but they were all for from like old older people, right? Um, uh, people that have been in the industry for a very long time. So um, I think in you know, 
more like younger people are getting into product management now so it could be like a different perspective to show how we're yeah. going through it and how new we are to it and how we're like overcoming our challenges <laughs> yeah and like i think one of the things that really uh made me want to do this and also like the product management blog telki tech i'm starting right now mm -hmm. is I feel like there's like kind of, at least for me, there's always been this like voice in my head where like, oh, you have to like get to a certain point before you could give advice or talk about things. Like you'd have to be an expert in all this stuff. But like, as I kind of, I didn't originally start in the tech industry, like my college background, which we can get into is like completely separate. So everything I like learned was basically from like the people around me and also just like self-taught stuff when it comes to tech. And like, I found that with this kind of field and what we learn, it wasn't necessarily the like oldest, most wisest people that I learned the best from. It was the people who were just like a little bit further ahead than me because they understood like my assumptions, my fears, the kind of vocabulary basis that I had to start with. Because like that's like the thing with tech, like it's kind of like a game of like stacking vocabulary where you go in and you're like, I know English, like that's it. And then you start learning some kind of like foundational tech words. And you're like, okay, at least now at my team meetings, I kind of know what they're talking about. Right. But you like eventually get to the point where it's like, you know, so many of the assumptions of the industry, it's kind of like, it's hard to communicate to people who don't even have that like basis. So kind of like, like, I don't know, like just finding that, I just found that like that kind of a couple steps ahead where they can still understand me and I can understand them the best is like the best place to be. So like in a chance that there are people in like college or in their twenties in their career potentially interested mm -hmm. in this kind of stuff, or even just like other kind of P, like PM types, like us are like, oh, I'm kind of curious what's like over here. Maybe they're at Microsoft or Google and like, what's Oracle PM like kind of thing. I think it can yeah. be helpful for that. I definitely agree with that. And I think that, for example, like not coming from like a tech uh, background helps so much in the sense of you can explain things to everyone using your own vocabulary, right? Like, of <laughs> course, like the technical vocabulary is important. But um, for example, I just started making a lot of videos, right? And they're like strong foundation. And a lot of the people just, you know um assume that you know everything right like you that you're like in midways of knowing how to use this technology and sometimes it gets over complicated when it could be simple and you know just easy to understand from the beginning plus we're getting new people in the tech industry like every day right so like not everyone knows how to use everything or what everything means you know like we we're basically that reflection of like the new people coming into tech, right? Yeah. So I think yeah. it has like a lot of value to be able to, of course, get those skills, but also like keep that, you know, fresh mind of not everyone knows everything, you know? So we need to make it as simple as possible for people to get like a good foundation to then continue with their advanced learning of like our technologies in general. Yeah, and like I think one of the big things, like kind of misconception I had when I was trying to get in the tech industry is like I didn't really know the playing field. So when I looked at tech from the outside, I was kind of just like, 
everyone's a developer or software engineer. I don't really understand what the, if there even is a difference between those two things, but like if I'm the work in tech, I have to like learn to code first. Literally. So like, and I, I do think that doing some coding search and like, I can get into that whole story and we should probably like start from college and like go there in a second. Wait, but, give me a sec, give me a sec, because my, uh, my laptop is about to die, so I'm going to have to use my regular, my regular microphone. Okay, that sounds good. This we can just cut this um, out and make sure um, yeah. this is super that little guy is dying. I cannot put like both in one, but anyways, can you, I mean, you can hear the echo, but I'll, I'll try to edit it as, as best as possible. Okay, yeah. Go ahead. Wor worst case scenario, I feel like as long, it's almost better if we start, like, if we get like better, just kind of production quality as we go along. Yeah. People listening will be thinking of that as long as our production quality doesn't get worse. I mean, starting from the bottom over here, you know. Yeah, it's the first episode. We got to We're gonna be learning a bit during this, but yeah, like, like in, I would say like from my experience, like doing things like coding certifications are definitely helpful. But it's not. It's like you don't have to be like an engineer to like break into this industry. So I feel like kind of like sharing our stories and how we got here can be helpful and also just that like sense of like yeah you can learn on the job like no one expects you to come in and know everything because like this is i would say a very intimidating industry from the outside in because you just look and it's like it's all these wizards who are talking in gibberish that we don't understand who make things on our screen happen and like as you kind of start to unpeel the onion you get to like understand it better but like before you get to those first couple layers you've unwrapped like it can be scary to like look at so i think yeah. kind of like showing that's like hey like you can carve past through this and just as long as you take it step by step like you can get to some pretty cool places kind of like i feel like we've been with our career so far right and i feel like you know i'm not trying to generalize you know but back in the day you would always think that like people that got into you know software engineering and stuff like that like they were like introverts you know they were more of like the nerdy side of things, you know? So I feel like that's such a misconception because like I've met like really cool um, developers in Oracle, you know? Or like people that are very social, they like talking and stuff like that. So I think that it's just like that whole perspective of you have to be like this certain way and be super smart, you know, to be good in this industry. <laughs> like, you know, I think there's like space for everyone, right? Like the creative art person, right? Or the, you know, more of like the developer side or more of like you you like talking to people, you know, everyone is needed basically here. Like there's a place yeah. for everyone. The way that my brain kind of organizes it is almost kind of like this like single line scale where on one end of the spectrum, you have the sales types. So like very presentation, human interaction heavy, they generally don't go that deep technically. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have your like engineering specialists, which like these are the people who are like very vertically, or I would say, I wouldn't even say just that, like they're just very deep in a technical sense and spend a lot of time like hands-on, head down. Mm -hmm. And like, those are kind of like the two things we're first introduced to. But there's like also like the whole spectrum in between, like including solution engineering, which I would say is like which we started out uh, in, and that's kind of more on like the sales side. But 
a bit mm -hmm. further towards that technical thing. Exactly. But yeah, like let's Let, let's start well, with yeah, your story, start because we're like here just going in. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're going a couple directions and like being able to ground it with some background about us, like yeah. especially because it's the first episode, will mm -hmm. like help people with all the future contexts. So do you want to go first with your story or me? Um, you can go first. Okay. Yeah. So basically, uh, to give a little background um, of how I got to product management, I'm 26 now, and in college, I went to Boston College and I was at the business school, and my majors there were finance and business analytics dual majors with a philosophy minor. And like during college, I was like very much in the like business kind of side of things. Like when I was in high school, like I grew up like in the Northeast and very kind of like, oh, like Northeast finance, go that route, secure job, you'll make good money kind of thing. Okay, and, wait, 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 wait. So tell us where you were born, right? Okay, I can, okay if we're going that far back, I can do that. Because, so, you know, like it, it is like, Career-wise, but like we want to know you personally too, you know. Yeah, I'm you learning more things about happen. you, so. Uh huh. I know. Then we can go to the recordings if we ever need to remember about each other that we forget. Yeah. It'll make our lives easier. But yeah, okay. Let's. If we're gonna start at the beginning, um, I grew up in Southern New Jersey. Basically, spent my whole life there. Uh, went to Catholic school, like from kin actually from kindergarten through. It ended up being through college too, just like kind of by coincidence, um, Catholic grade school. And then I went to high school at an all boys private Jesuit, which is like a Catholic priest order high school. And yes, that was in Philadelphia. So I was like commuting every day to high school from Southern New Jersey. It was about like 45 minutes wow. each way. We had to wear like full suits, like not, um, it didn't have to be like black, like black jacket, white shirt. We basically mm -hmm. had like do the blazer tie and just like button down though. So that was my high school. And then like in high school is like when I first kind of started to get interested in the whole finance thing. Cause I was just like, I'm like a young, ambitious guy. I'm like, I want to do something where it's like challenging. I can be engaged. I can like make good money. And you could do something that has like ripple effects, like has big impact. And you're like, okay, it's like, I'm, I'm gonna be a hedge fund manager because that's because they make a lot of money. And high school students, like, you don't know any better. So I'm like, that sounds good. Like, let's just become a hedge fund manager and like make millions of dollars. That sounds nice. You said and HR manager? No, hedge fund. Oh, hedge Not fund. HR. I don't think HR. <laughs> HR like, make millions. <laughs> Maybe like really good ones, but not <laughs> hedge fund, like, uh, like investments and stuff. Okay. Um, so then I go to college, and as I learn more about that, I very quickly realized that those, like the investment banking hedge fund types, they work a lot of hours and they don't get much sleep, and I need my sleep. So <laughs> I'm like, let's we need we need to find something else. So during college, I was interested in management consulting a lot. I kind of like the because I was always like fascinated by business, and I was like. Looking, I either like wanted to like run companies, be involved in like strategic stuff with business, or like start my own company or something like that. So management consulting intrigued me, just because of, I guess, 
the fact that it would expose you to like a lot of kind of like strategic type work of it. Mm-hmm. Trying to get hired by the big management consulting firms is very competitive and cutthroat and like that ended up like not working out. So mm-hmm. management consulting was one of the things I was looking at. That didn't work. I was also looking at real estate. Um, because like that was something that interests me a lot too. So I did some real estate classes, really like that. And essentially like at the end of the day, I wasn't able to like find a good position. Um, so like kind of like throughout college, I was like bouncing around, like not entirely sure what I wanted to do. Like we were, I was all kind of like in the finance realm because like I was still in that business school ecosystem. And I ended up doing my first job in financial planning and analysis. I graduated college. Um, I was living at home, my parents saving money, commuting an hour and a half each way to Pennsylvania for my job uh, at an insurance company. And it was like a great first job and stuff. Like it was like a nice, like good salary, stable, kind of get your first job out of school thing. And Mm -hmm. in terms of like a learning experience, it was really good. I was miserable though, just because I was kind of realizing that the whole kind of finance world might not be like the best fit for me. And also you're going to be miserable if you're commuting an hour and a half each day, no matter what your job is. But like basically what I was kind of like realizing at that time was that I wanted to do something a bit more creative and I was always interested in the tech industry because like I feel like I, I don't know if you feel this way but like at least me it's like I feel like we we're like the first kind of true internet native generation where it's like I grew up kind of like on the internet like me and my friends we would go online like the weekends after school and we would play on xbox because we're all scattered throughout New Jersey and Pennsylvania and like this is before we had our license we would all like that's kind of like using just the internet and like gaming and stuff like that we yeah. were able to like, kind of connect. So I was like very much kind of enticed by that world and always like very interested. And like we heard about like the whole Silicon Valley like mythology. That was like always something really cool to me. Like these people kind of this like Wild West culture mm-hmm. of these like individuals going out with a vision and basically being like, I'm going to work my butt off to create some cool new things that people haven't seen before. Yeah. So that was like always in the back of my mind interesting to me. So when I kind of was realizing that finance wasn't the right fit, mm-hmm. I was like, well, what about tech? And while this was going on, that's when COVID started to hit. And this was like the first, it was like right at the beginning of COVID before anyone really knew what was going on and stuff got shot, shut down. Mm-hmm. We got like the work from home and stuff. So I took a one-way uh, ticket to Austin, Texas, where my now ex-girlfriend was like at the time, like when I was like together with her and stuff, because she, after she graduated from BC, she took a job in Austin. So I come down to Austin, I have like this work from home time, everything's being kind of starting to get weird and shut down because of COVID. And I have this like simultaneous, like, I want to move out of the house, like I need to get out kind of thing. And I'm in this really cool new city. And also, like, I want to switch industries, and I think tech might be for me. So, basically, when I was, like, working from home, remote in Austin, 
I was simultaneously like falling in love with the city and also started to do things like coding certifications to try to get my foot in the door to tech industry. Like what I did was free code camp, which is like this, I highly recommend them. They have these like online free certifications, super well done, great for beginners. Like they explain it in simple language where it's like, they'll teach you complex concepts, but they do it in like straightforward, assuming you have no background, like we will do all the building steps type things. Mm -hmm. So I ended up doing that, realizing I want to stay in Austin. Like I want to go back to the Northeast. I love it here. And then I eventually was able to get my foot in the door with Oracle in their class of solution engineering program. So I took that position. I'm now officially in Austin full time and I'm a solution engineer, which for the audience, if they're not familiar, solution engineers are basically the technical experts on the sales calls. So we're part of like the sales organization in the tech company. And the sales person is generally more absorbed with like the logistics of the deal, like the personal interactions, making sure the parties are happy, the communications are going well and all that stuff. And we're the ones who come in where it's like, hey, you need someone to do like a deep dive on technology, do a presentation, answer questions. We're that person on the call for them. So I was in, do we want to, do we want to um, have me go all the way to PM the story or stop as the solution engineer so we can share our experience from here? I feel, I feel I like I have so many questions still. Okay. You know? Let's let's start with some questions because I feel like I just threw a lot at us. I'm like, there's like a lot we can go into there. And mm -hmm. then we can like, I think you can tell your part up to then because then we can like share our experience in solution yeah. engineering and how we got into PM. That could be good. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> so, okay. So you were a um, financial analyst, right? <laughs> how, how was your job? Like, what did you do? So it was cool. Like what my job basically was, was we are called FP&A analysts, which stands for like financial planning and analysis. And we were like this weird combination. Like it's kind of like in insurance companies, or at least like my experience at insurance companies, we were kind of like a combination of like an actuary, a financial analyst and an accountant because insurance companies, like this is, just kind of uh, not so, like there's more nuance to it than this, but like actuaries kind of run the insurance companies because they're the ones who have all of the like really hard exams they have to pass. They're the ones in charge of like the complex like insurance math, and they usually have the deepest like math and analytical background just because of like the rigor of it. Saying the deepest might be like unfair, but generally they're super financial like like financially like calculate like financial calculations like um deep in that skill set uh then we got the accounting side of things which is just your standard accounting and you also have your financial analyst which is like analyzing quarters and stuff so like we were kind of a combination of those three types of things and like what my specific job was was we were like looking at all the company's financials on a quarterly basis whereas like the actuaries they were more focused on kind of long-term projections like a couple of years out and stuff like that and doing their calculations we were more focused on 
here's kind of where the company is now. Here's like a kind of macro high level view of how all these different areas are performing and what their financials look like. And this is like our next kind of couple quarters of projections. So I was spending a lot of time. I was basically spending all my time like in spreadsheets, like tweaking tables and numbers and like analyzing results and stuff like that for our company. Okay. And when you said that you didn't see yourself in the future, like doing this, was it because of like career growth or what, what do you feel like you didn't like from that when you were there? <laughs> yeah, I think it was a combination of career growth and also just like interest slash skills where it was a good job and a stable job and it was something that I don't regret doing because it gave me like a great experience and it was good for me then. But I do feel like I kind of outgrew it in the sense that there wasn't really much upward mobility or it would be very slow compared to kind of like jumping around or leaving kind of thing. Like there wasn't really much like opportunity for like big pay jumps. Versus the tech industry, one of the things I found really attractive about it is it's, I would say, generally speaking, it's less about kind of everyone's on a rigid, like, progression plan structure, where it's about, like, putting your time in and moving in lockstep, and they care more about years and, like, your kind of portfolio of what you've done. I would say tech is a bit more, at least in my experience, it has, like, the opportunity to be a bit more merit. Meritocratic? How do you say that? Yeah, yeah, meritocratic, like meritocracy, Uh where you can like make some pretty big jumps in like pay positions if you Mm -hmm. like work your butt off and prove yourself, which has always been, I've always been the kind of person where it's like, I want to put in more and I would rather like bust my butt, work extra hours and get rewarded for it than kind of have something like stable where it's like, yeah, this is an easy, like, stable, safe pace, but there's not much room to kind of go above and beyond. So, like, in terms of the kind of career I was looking for, that was the major things. The big thing, though, at the end of the day, it's like, I'm a very curious person, and there is a lot to learn in finance, mm-hmm. but it's like, tech just seems to provide an opportunity to be not only, like, curious and constantly learning, but creative, too, where it's, like, very much just, in my experience with it, there's this attitude of, oh, you have an idea or like, oh, you think you could do something there? Go chase that down the hall and see what you can come from it and like mm-hmm. come back and tell your manager about it and like see what you're able to do. It's like, there's a lot, it really encourages exploration and kind of like open thinking and like just collaborating with people, a bunch of different perspectives where I think that's just like more the nature of the work than kind of any cultural thing. Like, I think it's just like in the work itself, you have so much opportunity for it rather than just being like, oh, one company, maybe it's had like a bad company culture or a good company culture, or like that kind of thing. I just think it's like in, embedded in the industry. Yep. Yep. I agree. So do you feel like your like childhood background, like while you were in um, high school, kind of like, um guiding towards getting more into the financial thing um okay yeah yeah i do think that was i think part of it is it's a very common thing in the northeast at least like 
in the kind of ecosystem I grew up with, with New Jersey, mm-hmm. for, I kind of like grew up in like a middle class, like upper middle class kind of thing. And a lot of people who were like influencing me growing up career wise were kind of in that professional realm where like it was like your doctors, your lawyers, your accountants, your finance people. And there was like very much like kind of a, an idea of like, oh, like go into these career areas that have stability. Cause like a lot of our parents, like especially kind of like my dad was a finance major in college and he ended up being a pilot but he still had like a strong finance background a lot of his friends also have it too mm-hmm. so like northeast kind of like oh you want to do well have a good job and kind of like work hard have like a good future like finance is a great thing for that whereas mm-hmm. technology wasn't for like a northeast perspective it wasn't at that time as well known where it's like my parents generation their kind of understanding of tech is like like oh you like by tech, like you mean like go work at IT, just like a random company or something. Like they don't understand like how mm-hmm. broad the industry is. Yeah. And I think like one of the other things pushing towards finance was just like this whole idea of it's always been important to me and like also my dad like instilled on me is like being financially literate is mm-hmm. very important. And that's and it's one of the reasons why even though I end up not really using my degree at the end of the day, it's like I'm very glad I got it. Having the finance skill set and like understanding at least like a literacy of like how investments, money, and that stuff works, super important life skill. Yeah. Did I want to do corporate finance for my whole life? I realized no. It's like I like finance. I like knowing about my own life stuff. It's like I kind of learned that while I can appreciate that there, it wasn't something that I wanted to do for like an actual career in and of itself. Yeah, and and I also feel like even like. In general, like whenever you get into IT, whatever background you have, like it might be helpful. You just never know. And I think finance overall ties into everything, right? Like you might one day talk to like a finance company and you might understand their pain points, you know, compared to someone that hasn't, you know, gotten that education or that background. And um, I mean, you remember when we started um, the class off? It was the make money, save money, and mitigate risk logo. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, like, finance is, like, everywhere. Like, it's so important. So, for sure, it was, like, a good move. Um, so, I think those were my... Well, actually, um, I have two more questions. Um, one would be, so, what um, coding, like, which languages or what did you learn when you were doing the coding course yeah so one of the big things was and i kind of made that decision that i wanted to try to switch over to the tech industry mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of free resources online mm-hmm. but i would also say there's like a general internet culture thing of like it's really popular to think about the whole kind of like oh you want to break into tech and become a developer and make six mm-hmm. figures like this is how you do it yeah. and i was kind of caught between the whole self-teaching and should mm-hmm. i do a coding boot camp because like, i definitely felt insecure about mm-hmm. the fact that i didn't have any kind of like computer science degree mm-hmm. and like after kind of being in like the education system for like our whole lives like 
you kind of get ingrained in this like mindset of credentials where it's like, oh, if you want to do this thing, you need to get someone else to say that's like, oh, stamp of approval. They know that and then they're qualified to do this thing type like mindset and stuff. Um, so the battle between do I do a coding boot camp and do I do free courses was constantly on my mind. Mm-hmm. Coding boot camps can be pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't able to get in with like what I was doing, I there's a decent chance I probably would have done one at some point. But what I ended up doing and like I in my experience it was enough was I took uh two certifications I passed for for my Oracle interview. It was like an HTML and CSS one and also a JavaScript one. So basically I'm like, hey, I can figure out how to do just like basic web page stuff with HTML and CSS. And here's me playing around with some JavaScript and like creating some algorithms and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think my kind of lesson I learned from that was HTML, CSS, and especially JavaScript are all kind of great places to start. But mm-hmm. kind of, if you're going to do this and you're going to kind of like look for something to learn, I would say like choose something that interests you. Like the whole web design stuff interests me. And at the end of the day, both for getting the solution engineering job and for getting my product management job later on, my boss cared more about just kind of a demonstration of like, oh, you can learn something technical. Exactly. Like, that's all we need to know. We don't really care as much like what you learn technical because we're going to have to teach you our stuff anyway because chances are you haven't worked of this before. But like, if you demonstrate that you're capable of doing something, then that's like all that's kind of needed. And I would say like for people like looking to get into the tech industry, there's so much kind of buzzwords around like, what's the hot programming language? If you want to get hired by Google, well, you need to learn JavaScript because everyone knows JavaScript or Python or something. It's like, it's like it's less about that, more about choose something that interests you so you can demonstrate like, hey, I did this. I'm able to go off, learn. I can like have that kind of like skill yeah. set engagement. Like definitely like the self-learning is like super important, right? Um, when you're starting, when you're trying to get into tech, but I feel like also um googling you know like you you can try to learn like the basics of a language right but then if you are stuck like being able to google that and like using the forums you know like stack overflow and stuff like that that's so important you know so i think definitely being able to learn stuff by yourself is the biggest skill and if you cannot figure something out Try to find it, and if not, definitely reach out to someone. I think it's like some some of the skills that they're trying to look for in a person that yeah. maybe don't have like a technical background. Like I would say, at the end of the day, a pretty good litmus test if you're considering the tech industry would be like, are you a self starter? Because regardless of if you're an engineer or a salesperson, it's like you have to. If like you would just rather kind of get your marching orders from your boss every day, and like that's kind of career for you. It's like there's nothing like wrong about that, and it's like some people like that kind of consistency and just like routine. You kind of work on the same things, but that's mm-hmm. probably not the kind of person who would thrive in a tech environment as much mm-hmm. because 
I would say our industry is very much more like, oh, you want to do something? Okay, here are some tools to help you. Now go figure it out. Like yeah. you have to do it kind of thing. Like no yeah. matter what the position is. Definitely. And sometimes it's not even like, oh, you want to do something, here's the tool. Sometimes it's like, you want to do something, go ahead and do it, you know? Yeah. And you need to find everything. Um, and I think that's like, you know, if you like doing that, you'll be great, you know? And there's other people that don't, you know? So maybe definitely think about that, right? Because like some people might find that like extra challenging, right? To like start from total zero, you know? Just like, for example, like I'm assuming like you started your blog, right? From zero, like from like having to figure out how to, where to put your blog, how to market yourself and stuff like that. So um, those might like, I, I don't think that's like for everyone, you know, like some people might find that frustrating and other people might like that. So that's like definitely something to think about, right? Because like it might get overwhelming sometimes, you know, so you have to thrive through your overwhelming self <laughs> struggling to like find answers sometimes, but it gets fun, you know. Um, I want to do a quick bathroom break and then do your story. I have to go to the bathroom so bad right now. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, sorry, what, what did you say? Oh, I have to go to the bathroom so bad. I want oh. to take a quick bathroom break so we can go yeah. to your story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Okay, I'll be right back. Alrighty. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so with um, any more questions before we go to your side of things? I think my last question was going to be like, how do you, like, do you feel like Austin changed your perspective towards like moving into tech? Yeah, I would say it's funny because like there, I've I've been thinking about it a lot because there's like a lot of different things that were all kind of going on at the same point in my life, and they all have like huge influences on me, but they do kind of blend a bit. Like when I initially moved to Austin, it was for a previous relationship, mm -hmm. so there was a bit of like the kind of phase of me kind of almost adopting a bit of like a social situation in a city and then kind of like going out on my own mixed with also the, like the first time like the college kid who was living at home to save money for convenience right out of school mm -hmm. also going out on their own to me kind of like with me all it was a big thing about independence i would say because like mm -hmm. there was also like me kind of leaving that whole finance that i grew up with mindset and going out in a direction that like knowing my family was familiar with too and like Austin's like an interesting place because there's so many young people mm -hmm. who are very open-minded here and that kind of open mind like there's a reason why I think tech and Austin are just combining like Austin becoming such a big tech center right now it's because mm -hmm. like by nature tech is about being very open to ideas and all these different perspectives coming together to find like the best things that can work and then you build it. And Austin's like a very open-minded, it's kind of like the whole, like, what do they call it? Like the blueberry and the tomato soup. You have this tolerance towards both sides of the spectrum because mm -hmm. both people are like, both types of people are there. Everyone in there, like there's a lot of transplants who are looking for something or looking to like make something of themselves and build something. So like, I do definitely think that there was like a cultural thing with me going to Austin and in the tech industry at the same time that like I found beneficial because like not only was I kind of switching industries, 
but also it's like my whole friend group in Austin like basically works in the tech industry and like all the people I meet are like through work or friends of friends like who mm-hmm. kind of like are all in that type of space and it's kind of cool because you not only get to learn about people from their kind of like we all come from different backgrounds and locations mm-hmm. but we also kind of have this like shared overarching project that we're working on which is like building cool tech and trying to kind of like I don't like the term make the world a better place because it's so overused. But you know what I mean. Like do stuff that's like useful for cool for people in the yeah. tech space. And it's helpful to kind of be able to share ideas and talk with people to kind of like get everyone excited about it and like kind of have our own breakthroughs and stuff like that. Yes, it sounds like a very collaborative environment where you yeah. can share in uh, opinions that maybe you can apply it in your own life. Like not life only, but like career also. Yeah, it's like a very like collaborative and philosophical city for like a very collaborative and like philosophical like industry kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like kind of like the new Silicon Valley, right? So it's cool that like you have like young people around you with the same background. I feel like I, I don't have that in here. So, you know, it's definitely. Yeah, so you, you could probably do this part. I was about to say, do you want to talk about like where you live and stuff? I'm like, yeah. well, probably be part of the story. We could probably go into like your origin story now. And yeah. Then we can like combine because I'm like at the part where I joined Platform of Solution Engineering. Mm-hmm. So um, basically, I was I was born and raised in the Canary Islands, Gran Canaria in Spain. Um, and I first, so like my first school was a Japanese school. So I basically didn't know how to read or write in Spanish or English or anything like that. And I spoke Spanish, but um, mainly it was more of like Japanese at home. Um, then I switched to like a British school um, when I was like around eight, maybe. So everyone knew how to like write, read everything, you know, in English. And I didn't. So that was challenging for me. You know, I think like I've had like a love-hate relationship with like education and stuff like that just because I struggled a little bit uh with education when I was little you know um but was Japanese your first language and then you learned English second uh so like my first language was a mixture of Japanese and Spanish probably um so like my mom is from Colombia my dad is from Japan they met in Spain and they had me basically (laughs) um but yeah so like and then at that time, I just started going to like a Japanese school. Um, so, you know, like the education and everything was so different also in a Japanese school because they were so basically from like, I started when I was three until I was seven. And we did a lot of like learning, but like, um, like more of outdoor learning. You know, I think that's like a thing now, but basically like going to the mountains and learning about plants or like they would teach me how to cook, you know, like things like that. Um, so like and, very immersive education kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I enjoyed it because I didn't know I was learning, you know, but I was, you know, it was more of like a, you know, your living life type of thing, you know. Um, and then like right before I was leaving, I started to like read and write in Japanese, you know. Um, but then, of course, like the change was like very confusing for me, you know, because now I had to like learn a totally different language, right? And um, so, yeah, so I went to like a British school 
from my whole like until like I graduated, right? And in that sense, it was a private school, but um, I do come from like you know a family that haven't gone to college previously, and like they worked really hard for me to get like you know good education. And um, living in an island, like I never thought of like you know like learning about like technology and stuff like that. That was not like something that you like think of you know like most people think of like becoming a teacher or becoming a psychologist or a doctor or uh, working for like um tourism and stuff like that right because that's like the only jobs that you can find in there right so um when the time came for me to decide what I wanted to do I knew that I didn't want to stay um in Spain so I was thinking more of like I might end up in the UK you know um, but that didn't happen. <laughs> I, what point of like what point of life is this for you? Because like just for context, mm-hmm. my kind when I was like kind of figuring out what like I was gonna do, yeah, I was very entrenched towards like my family drilled down like we mm-hmm. make sacrifices for your education. Like your job is to get good grades, so you get into a good mm-hmm. college, so you get a good degree, so you get a good job, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was very much like that whole like high school, college, adult, like up till 18 high school, then the 18th, like what college, then 22, what job type thing? Like is the age, when you're figuring out what you wanted to do, like what age range are we talking about? Like is the education system there like different or were you also kind of a bit in lockstep with like, like I guess what you call US education's kind of steps for kids at different ages? Mm-hmm. So I feel like you, like the last six years of your school education are really important. And, you know, like I was in a British system, right? Like I was in a Spanish system, to be honest. I I don't know much about the Spanish system, but in the British system, you have like four years where you're, um, I think you need to pass, you, you take like an exam, let's say like the SAT, right? but um for secondary education right so um you have to pass i think it might be like five or six i don't remember that much right but like subjects right um and then depending on those subjects if you pass those subjects you can continue like your two last years of school of high school or secondary education um basically taking those subjects right so like let's say for example like my last two years I took geography math um Spanish and I took German right so it was only four classes right but they they basically narrow you down right because depending on you know what career you want you might lose those other areas you know depending on what classes you pass or you don't pass like hopefully you pass all of them and you you know you're able to take all of the classes that you want. Um, that normally that's kind of like the case, right? Um, but for example, when I came to the US, I had to translate my my grades and um it showed that for example, my four years of so my last two years of high school were equivalent to my first two years of college in here. You know, so like, I guess like the general studies that I had like in my previous four years were equivalent to my secondary in the US, you know? So 
basically you, you kind of start thinking about what you want to do when you're around 16 years old, right? Um, and actually, I might have explained that incorrectly because it's actually four years. It's four years, not... It's two years of GCSE that is like the secondary uh, certification and then two years of A-levels that is the certification that it's equivalent to to like the first two years of your college, you know, it's a little complicated, but basically you kind of have to like the, the four years before you graduate, you kind of have to start thinking about what do I want to do? Do I want to, you know, uh, go through like this career or whatever, right? Um, so I started thinking, oh, I want to be a psychologist, you know? <laughs> Because I, I like I like listening to people. I like how people, you know, like all of that, like um, the study of like the mind was really interesting to me, right? Then I went back home and my parents basically told me, you know, like, yeah, you, you can be a psychologist, but, you know, you know, other languages, like that would be, you know, kind of like sad that you're not going to use your languages in the future, right? As a psychologist. So I was like, okay, then... I love geography and I love like talking about superpowers and how like, um, you know, like different countries interacted with each other and the effects of it. So I was like, like geopolitics kind of stuff. Yes. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I want to be um, something to do with like international relations or something like that. Right. So I started looking into that and um and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna work towards my international affairs degree like path type of thing, right? So that's why I took like my geography classes. I took math just because I thought it would be like important to have, you know. Um, and then I took German and Spanish. Um, Spanish we all took in my in my school because that's like our you know first language. So um, we were definitely gonna pass that, you know. It's like us taking an English class kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. yes. So uh we did that. And I took German just because um I enjoyed it. So you know, but my main focus was definitely geography. Um and yeah, so then I came to the US and I actually started in a community college. So like I went to Tallahassee Community College for two years. And I think it was a good experience to, you know, in case we have any international students listening to our podcast, um, because first of all, like there was a lot of international students that spoke English, but it wasn't the same, right? Like you, you're starting from zero. Like I came here and I, you know, I think I told you about like my confusion with chips, you know, yeah, potatoes. <laughs> it's funny. And so for context for the audience, Remu basically learned like UK English first. So like some of her slang is like UK slang. And she gets confused when like Americans have like different words like chips in the UK kind of being like more French fries versus us like it's specifically chips. Yep. Yeah, I was definitely very upset when I went to Subway and they gave me a bag of chips instead yeah. of fries, I guess. But um, so, you know, like even if you're learning English, like in your like in school, when you come to like a English speaking country, like things are so different. And like, of course, like English is English, right? But like UK English and American English, they might have a couple like, you know, differences and stuff like that. 
but um you know like i had like a very and i still have my accent that i'm very proud of you know but but i had a very thick accent you know i it was harder for me to communicate and i mean i could tell you like i could describe you what a meander is for a river you know in english but you know having conversations and stuff like that definitely was harder so i surrounded myself with like a lot of international students in purpose i didn't surround myself with people that spoke spanish that much i surrounded myself with people that spoke english because i wanted to get my english to be better right so it's all like international students kind of like getting their english better as yes. like together kind of thing exactly yes so um so i did my two years then i transferred to florida state university where i did my other two years um and i continue i never changed my major i, I always stayed with international affairs but my last year that's when i was like oh my god what am i gonna do you know like what am I, like so so like i started i went to like a career you know, uh, like the career department where they help you with your resume and like figure out your career and stuff like that. And they gave me a list of like things that I could do as an international affairs major, right? Mm -hmm. So it was something like, um, we had like um, translator, we had, uh, you know, like all of the nonprofit organizations and stuff like that. Um, but it was hard to actually be like, okay, I want to do this because of course I would love to work for like the UN in reality, you know, but it was kind of hard, you know, to get into that. So, and not only that, but as an international student, I only had like um, 90 days to get a job. If not, I had to leave the country. So I was like, great, a lot of pressure, you know? Yeah, like how, how did that feel? Because like one of the big things for me that mm -hmm. I felt in college was like, I feel like this is really relatable for a lot of college students, especially in your senior years. Like you're dealing with a combination of a lot of us don't really know what we want to be, which is understandable because we haven't gotten real world work experience yet. Mm -hmm. Combined with the fact that it's like all these different companies that we're interested in, it's like they're not they're not doing their schedules for hiring around like our needs. Like yeah, they have their kind of like class up type thing, bring them in for me. Like at the end of the day, it's like. If they don't really care that it's October, it'd be really nice if you found out, like, mm -hmm. in the fall what your job was for the summer. So you're, like, very much, like, at their kind of mercy, along with the fact that, like, I need a job when I graduate because I'll no longer be in this environment and, like, I have to support myself type thing. So it's, like, it just, it felt like a lot of pressure, like, having the whole kind of, like, the 60-day thing, or was it 60 or 90 days, you said? Yeah, I feel like that just like adds like even more of a level of just like pressure to find something to it too. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I think we should like whenever we get into a major, I think they should explain to us what our career path could be, you know, like mm -hmm. and also not only that, but like I wish I would have been more educated in the sense of like go to career fairs, you know, like even though I'm like a little biased about career fairs because I feel like I've never heard someone that says, oh my God, I got this job because of a career fair, you know? Okay, yeah. I want to talk about that because I have like similar kind of curious thoughts on this too. But you, yeah, you, you I mean, go first, I'll pin my thoughts on this because like it's something I've always been curious people's experience. Yeah, like I'm, I'm honestly like, 
if you got a, a job for a career fair, awesome, you know, but that has never worked for me because when I did my master's, I went to a lot of career fairs. But anyways, so I, you know, I feel like they should definitely tell us where, like, which paths we can go to with our major, you know, and kind of like guide us like the process, you know, like, I think that's so important to be able to apply for a job, to know, you know, just how to contact or network with people, you know, and I think that at that time, I wasn't mature enough to be like, you know, I should be friends with my teacher, you know, I should talk to my teacher about other things. So if you're in college, definitely talk to your teachers, you know, because they might know someone, you never know, right. But um, so yeah, so my Basically, my clock was ticking, right? And I was desperate at that point. And um, I applied to a lot of jobs, like a lot of tra translating, tra translator jobs, I guess. Um, the problem with that is that normally you need to be a citizen to do like some for some of the companies, right? Because I think I applied for like legal companies and stuff like that that are the ones that, you know, want translators normally. And yeah, you need to be a citizen. So that was a little limiting for me. So I ended up working for an agent for State Farm. And um, he was mainly looking for someone that spoke Spanish because he was located in an area where there was a lot of Spanish speaking people, right? So I moved to Denver um, when I got that job, right? And I started studying to get all my licenses, you know, like my insurance licenses to be able to sell um, uh, different like insurance policies, right? And it's, it's not that I didn't like it um, because I learned a lot, right? Like I, I learned a little bit about sales in a, a little more aggressive way, right? Because I was doing cold calls. Um, I was giving flyers to people sometimes, you know, like around people around and stuff like that. Um, so I think like that sales, um, you know, skill is really important in any environment, you know, even in the one we are right now, because we talk to customers. So we have to be able to like, you know, kind of like educate them properly. Right. So like my, my, you know, um, way of tackling sales because I was very intimidated by it was I'm educating my customer. I'm not like trying to sell, you know, like that's up to them. But if I educate them correctly, that like they'll make the right decision, you know? Yeah. What was that like? So would you describe yourself as more like extroverted or like introverted? Like what was that kind of cold call process like? Because I feel like everyone's first kind of cold call experience, mm -hmm. it could be a bit of like, an interesting just exposure slash awakening that side of the world because when you're in like school and stuff you don't really get exposed to that kind of work yeah. until you take on a job or internship like that and especially if you're kind yeah. of like more of like an introvert type like it can be pretty scary i'm definitely an introvert like people don't believe me but i am you know like i need to feel very comfortable to talk to you you know yeah so for me that was like terribly scary you know and especially like you're calling people that are not expecting you to call you know like you're calling them in the morning like my call calls were like perfect in the morning sometimes they answer you sometimes they don't sometimes I was just like you know what like if they don't answer I'm fine with it you know 
but um it was scary and some people were really mean you know like they were especially if they if they hear your accent sometimes you know they're like i don't even understand you by you know so they were really mean was your was your accent heavier at that time point or like the same you are now it's like i would say you have a very like you can tell that like you have an accent but like mm -hmm. you, you have a very clear understandable accent like I, if you were to call me i would not go like i don't understand you by kind of thing yeah i don't know i don't think i had a super heavy accent um i mean it's been getting better over time of course you know uh, because you end up adapting but definitely like that that made me very self-conscious of my accent you know so um so yeah it was hard and plus like i already had my line you know my you need to like say something like 15 seconds before they hang up on you type of thing you know so it yeah it was it was a hard experience for me as an introvert to do that but you do get numb after some time and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing you know because you don't want to give everyone the same treatment you know yeah. but you also another thing that helped me a lot with like talking to strangers was that when I was in college, I actually used to work um, in a place called Pollo Tropical. So everyone that's in South Florida, they know what that is. But um, it's basically like a Chipotle, you know. And I was normally in the register. So like I would have to like, you know, tell people like the total and all that stuff, you know. So that helped me a little bit become more of an extrovert. And that job overall made me become an extrovert, you know, like being able to establish a conversation not only be like yes no and answering people's questions you know so um so of course you know i mean basically in that you know insurance atmosphere office type of thing like there's not a lot of like growth opportunity neither you know like you're a sales prep and that's it basically you know so um, that was one of the things that I was like, I like talking to people and I do feel like I'm helping like Hispanic people get an insurance that is as basic as it gets, you know, but they struggle a lot and they get, they're, they're way more comfortable when you can talk their language, right? They, they understand it better. They keep on coming to you and they just feel comfortable, right? So um, I had my boyfriend, right? he he basically did computer science and he started as a software engineer um in a consulting company right and i saw kind of what he was doing and how there was i mean the pay was way better than mine of course you know um and the benefits were way better and of course i only got that like software engineering perspective right so i i was more of like okay like i don't think i would want to code or anything like that you know but in my situation i was more of like okay you know like maybe i should take some classes just to get more educated on this right so um as an international student if you don't do stem you only get one year to work right so after that i went back to school and I took a couple of classes, like I took Java, I took economics, um, and I took information systems um, as some of my classes. And I realized that I wasn't as bad, you know, in like that technical sense of like, you know, programming or even like 
well, and I, I only took like an introduction to programming in Java, right? But I could understand what was going on, right? So I was like, okay, maybe I should give it a try. And I started looking for graduate um, degrees that didn't require you to have like a technical background, right? So that's how I ended up going back to school to get my master's in information systems. But my classes were more leaning towards the business side of technology. And I really enjoyed that because yes, I got a little bit of the background of, you know, like doing visualizations and stuff like that, or understanding the database, but it was always with a business perspective. So I didn't feel like as pushed towards like, you know, you need to know everything about a database and stuff like that, right? So um, I feel like you, at least you didn't have to go back to school, but I feel like me, I definitely had to go back to school to do that, you know, and also to get my three years, like post work, uh, school to like be able to work, you know, in the US. But um, it did give me, you know, like that, open perspective of you don't only have to be a software developer, you know, there's a lot more paths inside of technology. So that was my experience. And then I definitely went to a lot of career fairs. They were virtual because of COVID, right? But I never got anything out of it, never. And I went to like a bunch, like all of the ones you could hear of. Oh yeah, I'm talking about career fairs. Yeah. Can we pause it for one more second? I'm really sorry. I feel the bathroom again. I yeah. drank so much coffee this morning. No worry. Like, this is the worst time. I don't normally get this much. Yeah, don't worry. Take your time. <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. We have. Okay. So you're saying finishing up your graduate degree mm -hmm. and. Oh, yeah, the career, career fairs. Yeah. So wait, did you finish the, the degree before the career fair? Um, that's where we were at. No, so actually, I I did go to career first while I was doing my degree, mm -hmm. because my my plan was definitely to you know get a job before I graduated, you know. And honestly, actually, that's another thing that I feel like it's different in the IT industry. Like you're more likely to get a job before you graduate than like after like you know like you don't have to wait until you graduate, you know. In other areas, I think it's a little more um, harder to get a job before you graduate, you know? I feel like at least for like when I when I did like my undergrad, or maybe it's because I wasn't like educated enough. I don't know, you know, but but I was definitely, I started going to career first as soon as I started my, my degree because it was just one, a year and a half or something like that. So, and also talk to your teachers. Because um, at least during my graduate, I did have teachers, my professors, sorry, teachers, it's more of like a UK thing, I think, or like when you're in high school, but professors, um, when you, you know, like your professors, sometimes they've had experience in the industry or maybe Actually, now that I think about it, maybe it could be because they did like some technology related stuff, but most of my professors, they had like worked for a company or they've done some like work in the actual field. They, they're not just, you know, um, professors. Yeah. Those are like the ones 
yeah, like for like ones with kind of professional experience versus like being in academia the whole time. Mm-hmm. That was usually my experience too with professors, where it's like the ones who had industry experience, like those were some of my favorite. Like, because like, I feel like with that whole thing, it was definitely something that I kind of have mixed feelings about the whole college like job process and how they help you because mm-hmm. on one hand my brain goes like at the end of the day like it is your own responsibility and like yeah. this is on you to find stuff but also like i came from an interesting place because like with my dad being a pilot mm-hmm. uh he's exposed to a very specific industry so he doesn't really have like the whole business background like oh these are some kind of like good starter jobs to like we have like kind of like i have contacts like here or like oh i know so and so their kids did this it was a good way to get to work like that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so like outside the kind of generic like choose something that you can do well at provides a good future yada yada Mm -hmm. there wasn't i didn't really have too much background my kind of whole like whole experience with the college recruiting and like career fair type thing was you're saying for years it was a bit about like you wish they gave you like more options of like the things that you could do right like as an undergrad yes i feel like i need to be more educated you know uh-huh. like i'm like oh i like this like i liked i loved all my classes you know but what am i going to do with all my classes you know yeah like my kind of experience was it, part of this step was almost definitely the fact that I don't think I had the social skills at the time of like a college undergrad student to like fully take advantage of like making sure I talked to the right teachers and asked the right questions. Like I, I had some teachers slash professors I was very close with who was like I definitely did that with, but I also feel like my kind of college experience was like to be in the business school. Mm-hmm. in boston they very much like it felt like they kind of pushed us towards like management consulting like investment banking or like accounting slash finance type things mm-hmm. and kind of like here's like four potential doors to go through but it it felt like in my experience was like those are basically your doors or you just generically go work for a startup so like mm-hmm. i like i kind of look back at that whole kind of college like here are your options type thing it's like mm-hmm. i don't i'm curious how much was me and how much was like the whole just generic they give you what they give you mm-hmm. because i do kind of wish that like i don't know maybe it's just part of the whole going out into the world and finding it and like you can't expect college to do all the things mm-hmm. like i wish i knew how much say variety there was to careers back in college because i was very much in the mindset of like there are three molds i could do being a finance degree a business school students and which one am i going to try to fit into versus mm-hmm. like later in my career and as i went from solution engineering to pm it was more so like here are skills i like in the personality i have mm-hmm. and what are the options that fit me there kind of thing it felt like back in those days like between fear and just not knowing it felt like I had to kind of conform into a certain position versus finding the positions that fit that my kind of mold well, yeah. And like, I, the whole career fair thing, it's like, that's also something it's like, I don't really have much good experience with that. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how much of it is like, 
that not the best medium to actually finding things mm-hmm. versus just the whole like I don't know. I just didn't really know enough about what I wanted to do at that time. So I just didn't know how to take advantage of opportunities where mm-hmm. I could have made more of those type of experiences. Right. Um, I feel like that approach of like, you know, you should match like your personality to your job is definitely like a good way of like, you know, seeing things and actually getting a job because of that, you know? I feel like it also depends on like your mentality. Like I think like back when I was in, like doing my undergrad, I was more of like I need a job, you know. Like, yeah, that was definitely you know? me too. Because like you're so afraid of not having one, where you're like, exactly. I can't. Like I'm not. I'm not worried about dream job. I'm worried about job and like paying my bills, kind of thing. Exactly. Yes. And then like when I studied my master's, I was definitely more mature you know more of like okay you know like this is something that i'm investing my life in right now you know that it's like going back to school that it's not like not everyone likes going back to school you know like when i graduated i i said to myself i'm never coming back you know (laughs) and now i'm here but i'm way more mature right so like i took my classes way more serious you know like i got great good grades you know and like intentionally got good grades because I wanted them, you know, just like, not just like, oh, I'm fine with passing my class, you know. And of course, I was like, you know, as soon, because, you know, like age does take a big part in like how I decided to do my things, you know. And I was like, I was the youngest one, one of the youngest ones in my master's class, but still, I felt like I was old for like getting into this, right, into this career, you know. So, so I started going to all of these job fairs and what I realized with these job fairs were that they, there's some people that just show up to them because they have to, it's not because they have a job opening or anything like that. And of course it is nice to talk to them, you know, but sometimes it's like a very forced environment where you're, everyone is reaching out to them and everyone is like, I want a job, you know, do you have a job? Basically that's like the you know that's one of the things i didn't like about it i didn't like the desperation where it it, it felt like almost kind of like being on the bachelor where it's just like or like (laughs) that's wherever it's like i'm just like one of so many people and i have to fight for this person's approval like that's not my personality yeah i will i will like socially shut down in those kind of situations it's like i need to have like more of an intimate like hey like let's talk and because i'm not so sure about this thing like exactly yeah, and it felt very much like a lot of kind of like the big firms, everyone trying to go and like ask us. And if you know that's what you want to do, it's like play the game, do that. But for me, not fully like knowing what I wanted in that time period, it just wasn't like the right environment for me, I feel. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. I think it, it helped. Honestly, what you just said of like, you know, like literally being in a reality tv basically kind of thing and like telling them hey like do you have a job like you know i'm very willing i'm like the person for you type of thing honestly i was so shy of going to like tables randomly and being like hi how are you know like how can you even start that conversation i was in a suit that wasn't comfortable it was hot i was sweating 
Can you tell me if, like, walk up to strangers and be like, hi, please like me. Do you have a job? I don't know what I want to do, but I could probably do it for you. Like, no, literally, literally. And, like, you would try to get their card, you know? Like, it, it was so forced. Like, sometimes you couldn't even connect with that person because you could tell they didn't want to be there, you know? So you're just like, can I get your card, you know? And you just get their card and that's it, you know? So I think, yes. If you if your school has good job fair, definitely go. But sometimes it's really hard to get like a job from a job fair. Um, so I started. So like my my process of applying was definitely like I was basically six months before I graduated. I started applying to jobs like crazy, and I think one of the sites that helped me a lot was Handshake. I don't know if you've ever heard of Handshake. I've heard of them. So, um, Handshake is a website that is used by your school, right? So, like, actually, they you can access Handshake through your school portal normally, and you're able to put filters. Like, for example, I was able to put, like, I'm an international student. Like, um, I have no experience, but I have this uh, degree. You can put your GPA and all this stuff. And... Um, they will give you like suggestions of jobs, right? And I applied to Oracle through Handshake, right? And actually I applied to a BDC position. <laughs> I didn't apply to a solution engineering position. I applied for a BDC, right? But I, I think I got like two interviews maybe from Handshake that is pretty good because, you know, like, normally you apply, you don't get any interviews, you know. And I did go to a job fair where I attended, like, a, a lot of events, right? And I did apply for that job, too. But then COVID hit and they canceled my interview. So in total, I think I got, like, maybe four interviews. And then one of my other interviews, um, I got referred to. So I, at the end, before graduating, I think it was around October, I had two offers, right? And Oracle was one of them. But Oracle, I think, because you have, you have to upload your resume and then they, I don't know how they found my resume for solution engineering because, you know, I did apply for BDC, but they said, oh, we, we think you will be a great candidate for this, for this um, position, you should apply. And yeah, if you want, we can start talking about solution engineering. So that reminds me of, I think it'd be fun to also mention before I got my solution engineering um, position, I had previously applied to Oracle two times before and gotten rejected. Uh, like oh, yeah. it was like throughout college and also um, like before I applied for this position. Mm -hmm. The first one, I was just like so awkward. I, I was, like, very kind of, like, nervous at the time, and I, like, hadn't gotten interviewing down. And, like, the interviewer, like, literally asked me at some point, like, so, if you, like, use technology, like, if you like tech, and that question was so basic, it, like, literally, like, it just, like, overwhelmed my mind. Because, <laughs> like, I don't know, if like, our generation, I feel like we grew up with, like, technology around us so much, and be like, so, like, how do you feel about water? Like, I just, yeah. I, it's like, it's, I go in so many directions. I just kind of rambled like a psychopath. And the second time when I applied, like, I was talking to this one dude. 
and I, like, I had my finance um, experience of insurance. And he's like, you should sell uh, ERP, like inter- enterprise resource planning software, which is like our accounting software and stuff at Oracle. And I was like, actually, I'm like kind of trying to go away from like the accounting slash finance industry. <laughs> and the dude was like, nah, you got the experience. You'd be great at it. And I'm like, nah, like I want to do like this and this instead. He's like, come on. I'm like, dude, no. So it just got like a bit awkward. And he's like, the end of the call ended up him being like, well, I can admire the fact that you like stick to what you believe in or something. I'm like, this, I'm not going to hear from you again, am I? And I'm sure it's like, I'm some college kid who's like insecure, doesn't know what he's doing. I'm sure it's like a bit abrasive and stuff too, but I'm just like, I'm not, I'm trying to get out of this thing. Like, I'm not entertaining. I mean, that, that's, like, you know, space. you knew what you wanted. I think that's such a great yeah. skill, anyways, you know? I do think that's important because, like, mm-hmm. uh, like, I don't know. I feel like, after you get over the just having a job and making sure you can support yourself, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense to it's jump to happen. stuff that you're not at least like initially like passionate or excited about. It's like you're kind of starting off on the wrong foot. Yeah. And it's like you're going to be put in like some awkward situations like that. I feel like kind of like sticking to your guts. Like at the end of the day, it's like I was able to find something like I really like now. Like if I wasn't kind of like willing to be weird about like and like just kind of deal with situations like that. It's like I could potentially be like something I don't like right now. Exactly. But yeah. So we, we both got so we both started in the same class of program mm-hmm. as solution engineers. Both of us had prior work experience, which would I would say had some people like us on our team, but the general vibe of a lot of these people were like fresh out of college, mm-hmm. first jobs. So we're already an hour and a half this do we think that this is a good time that we can like we can do like a road to pn like two-part series i feel like where yeah. we did origin stories up to kind of you and i being hired for the same team mm-hmm. and then on the next episode we can like go into what solution engineering was like up to how we got into pm yep i like that okay maybe yes. even like we should even cover like the interview process and stuff like that a little bit you know yeah i'd like but, to cover i'd like to cover it for both of it because i feel like both the solution engineering and um pm interview process would be helpful yeah. for people to hear about definitely yeah okay. but yeah good. i think this was a good first episode got a little bit about us out there and finish it next time so we have like a nice basis for people when we kind of like go into the whole like industry and PM talk and stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah no I like it I think it it was definitely like a good way and you know like it doesn't only apply for like college students I guess it would apply for anyone right because like you got this job without like going back to school or anything so Mm -hmm. anyone that is in the finance industry and wants to get into tech you know like maybe follow the same steps yeah I would say Um, the whole like the whole thing about like going back to school it's like if it's the right thing for you, do it. But mm-hmm. I know so many people who go back to school because, like, they don't know anything else to do or they're, like, mm-hmm. afraid of kind of, like, putting themselves out there for stuff or, like, think that they need yeah. to do it. So I think just kind of talking about how we got into this because we both kind of started with professional experience with work and hopefully yep. be helpful. Like, you don't have to just kind of follow the official institutional path for everything. Definitely. Yeah. I think for me, it was more of like, I don't know what to do right now, you know, plus always maybe the situation is always like in the back of my head, you know, 
Um, so I guess that's like, that was like my only option, you know, but I do think that it's so valuable to like share like everything about like how you got into tech without going to school because mm-hmm. every, there's so many people in the same position as you. Like I actually have a friend that I'm, so she studied entomology. I don't know what, if you know what entomology is. Is that the insect one? It's the insect one? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So she did that because, well, first of all, she kind of wanted to do pre-med, but she she got all her school paid for, right? So she even did like her master's and she was starting to do her her doctorate, right? So you can work in things like USDA, like uh, pesticides and stuff like that with that degree, right? But um, it's very limited, right? Like you, you have to live like in certain areas like for example you have to live in like i don't know like in the middle of florida not orlando in the middle of florida with like you know just farms and stuff like that right and now that you can you know work remote and stuff like that they're they don't have that possibility right so i was telling her like you should get into tech you know and she's like but how but how but how you know and i'm like try to do a course or something but it's it's easier to say like oh do a course you know but like it would be nice to have like a structure of like you you know like this course worked for me you know or like like you just said you know like you should start by doing something that you actually like yeah that way you can portray the, the fact that you have a little bit of technical experience but you're willing to learn it so those are like things that i think people are super interested in right now the blessing and curse of our industry is all of the information is out there for you to learn. Mm-hmm. It's just like a question of dealing with that fact because on one hand, it's like, at the end of the day, it's like the great thing is you may want to go back to some structured learning, whether it's mm-hmm. like doing a coding boot camp or getting like a master's degree or something. Mm-hmm. But what you're essentially paying for isn't some like special information as much as the convenience of having it organized and prepackaged. But, like, you can also get that in, like, a bunch of other places where it's, like, like, even with the whole, like, kind of hopefully, like, how, like, our path isn't really us saying, like, hey, do this exactly like us mm-hmm. as much as it is, like, us saying, like, hey, like, we did stuff differently, so use this to kind of provoke your own imagination on, like, yeah. possible ways to get in. And, like, even with, like, one of the things that kind of scared me when I was first learning how to code was to, like, just the whole just oh just make something it's like when you are starting from nothing that's like just telling me like do something impossible because like i don't like know where to start right so there's i feel like there's kind of like kind of like the same thing how i was like saying there's a scale from sales to engineers in tech there's i feel like also the scale from kind of like you have your super structured graduate degree slash coding boot camps on one hand to your like completely unstructured like i'm only going off google information and Mm -hmm. there's like a bunch of stuff in between it's like i would say like if you're just looking for places to start stuff like just looking at popular youtube videos things like the free the free code camp courses where they're basically like hey we'll tell you what to build but just go practice building it so you can get your kind of reps in before you have to like think of something completely original to do like that that's all helpful to know too. And not it's like it's not just like this, hey, like do a coding boot camp or break the next best startup idea. Like there's practice.
practices and exercises and informational resources and things like YouTube videos and podcasts like we're doing, where it's like all of this is kind of just being like, hey, this is kind of like a choose your own adventure type of industry. But there are ways of navigating the forest that you can learn from from other people and pick up on kind of like their skills and habits that they found successful. Yeah, I would say definitely try to like, if you find a good resource, try to stick to that resource. Like give that resource a try because sometimes like we have so much stuff in the internet that we don't know where to go or where to look, you know, exactly. Like we're just like concentrating in a lot of things. So maybe like, if you're going to give this resource a try, like give it a good try, you know. Yeah, give it a good one. Like you don't want to just like bounce around like randomly, like, aimlessly. Like if you're gonna do pre code camp, like stick that through whole certification. Or if you're gonna do like uh, what are some of the other big ones? Like go like a W three school, just lesson plan of how to like learn Python. Like go through the whole lesson plan. Like give mm -hmm. it a try if you're gonna try something, but also don't be afraid if you're you go through something like, eh, this isn't really my style to try a different style after type thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think this is, was a good first episode. A nice little place to start, covered some interesting topics. I'm looking forward to doing this next time and picking up the story with us getting the solution engineering job. Yep, yep. Definitely looking forward to how your experience went and how mine went. I know. <laughs> like, if there's any differences. It'll be fun to talk about it, like just because we're both on the same team. But like, I'm sure inside each of our heads are like completely different things, like just ways of us processing it and like the stuff going on with us. Yeah, definitely. Already, Zach, thank you so much. Give the recording a stop. And let me.